powerful words, particularly when we think in our reading this evening, um, we, we just sang about Jesus, some, yeah, God's son, Jesus, being crushed so that we could sit at his table. And uh, the reading today is about the invitation being extended to sit at, at God's table. And the answer that God receives is, no, we don't want to be there. So it's quite shocking, and we'll be hearing more about that in a bit when Seth comes to speak to us. Uh, Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they, all alike, began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet." Good evening. Um, shall I pray to start? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this chance to gather together this evening. I pray that we'd learn something from this passage. Um, Father, that we'd rejoice in being called by you. And uh, Father, that we'd also um, see uh, your warning. And uh, Father, that you'd help me to speak clearly on this passage. Amen. So, uh, it's going to be very important to this particular passage um, to really think about how we can continue on from uh, what Sam spoke on uh, last week. Um, this section, verses 15 to 24, is uh, coming at the end of three parables that Jesus tells on um, banquets, essentially, on, on uh, Sam, what Sam said, food for thought, um, these stories he's telling so that the um, Jewish people listening would understand um, so we need to get some context. Yeah, so um, I want to address this passage in regards to what we might consider proof um, that uh, our hearts might be here uh, in, this, in this life, uh, the signs of an earthly life, and not on God. And this isn't going to be a, an accusation of anyone's guilt in the room, um, but what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is really to examine themselves, and we should be able to do the same. So... <clears throat> Sign one of an earthly life is lacking authenticity. Uh, what do we mean when we say authenticity? Well, faith should be deeply rooted in its integrity. How we are in public should match how we are in private. And uh, as I say, we're going to go back to the beginning of 14. Um, this conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees up to this point is really one of authenticity. So, we see in verses 1 to 4 of 14, if you want to read that with me, 
Uh, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent, so taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. You see, this is a conflict for the Pharisees. They are asking the question, is Jesus the real deal? We need to understand that this meal was uh, prominent people, influential. It's like uh, lunch at the palace or uh, the White House correspondent dinner. If you were a stranger, you walked in off the street, um, they don't know that you fit there. And the Pharisees know from just one verse after our passage now, um, Jesus is traveling with large crowds. He's set himself up as a religious leader. He's preaching and he's being listened to. So can he make the cut? Uh, This issue of him being carefully watched, he's being carefully watched healing this man, it's an issue because if he heals him, he breaks uh, religious law. He he heals on the Sabbath. He's working on the Sabbath. Now, the the problem is, and Sam touched on this last week as well, it's it's really elitism. Uh, it's nothing to do with whether or not it's right or wrong to save a man who uh, needs saving, to heal him. Um, it would be proof to the Pharisees that Jesus isn't authentic in the way that they think he should be authentic. He doesn't fit the bill for a religious leader. But they're missing the point. Jesus... We'll see in this next section, um, verses 5 to 14. Jesus' retort is about how authentic the Pharisees are. So we see uh, twice in verse 4 and verse 6, Jesus asks the Pharisees a question, and they give no answer. Uh, Their silence proves their guilt. He says to them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. You see... Jesus healing the man at this meal was an an act of total self-sacrifice. It was not going to help his authenticity before the Pharisees. He he wasn't winning any friends healing this man. Um, And yet he does it because he is authentic. He he is a saviour, so he saves, he heals. But for the Pharisees, what they do at this banquet, when they're being seen, this show of good faith, Well, when they're at their home, their son, their ox falls into a well, they'll pull them out right away. No problem. Purity isn't an issue. We might ask here as well, well, is it not uh, an act of love if you were to pull your son out of a well? Sure, absolutely. And we can understand that quite easily. I think if Edwin were to fall into a well, I'd be quite eager to get him out. But, But then Jesus adds, and an ox. If, if your son or your ox fell into a well, would you not immediately pull them out? Well, the ox would be wealth lost, wouldn't it? I mean, it's, you don't have a loving relationship. It's, it's wealth lost or secured at the cost of their purity. And that's it. Their purity runs only skin deep. It, it doesn't go any further. Uh, just saying on this brief point as well, It's the same issue that Jesus is raising with a banquet for friends. You know, when he says here in verse 14. Yeah, sorry. 
So 12 to 14. Uh, Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. It's the same problem. If the Pharisees would only invite those who can repay them with a meal, if they'll only invite the people who match their reputation, who match how they want to see, they want to seem outwardly, then there's no cost to themselves. Now, we need to understand this. We're not saying that we will always succeed in being authentic. We will slip up in our faith. But the point is, is our desire rooted in integrity? This final banquet that we're going to come to, you know, when these guests are called and we see their excuses in verses 18 to 20, there is no authenticity to their desire. They're public, publicly for the, this final great banquet, but when it comes to it, they're against attending. They're against any self-sacrifice. So, sign two of an earthly life is uh, humility, a, a lack, lack of humility. Um, we're going to spend a little less time on, on this point um, Sam already mentioned this idea that the Pharisees are jostling for position, and uh, Jesus sees that. It says in verse 7, uh, Jesus notes that he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table. He's watching the Pharisees um, decide for themselves where they should sit. It kind of seems obvious, doesn't it? And unless you go to a, a really relaxed uh, wedding or event, um, generally if you were to go to a, I don't know, say a, a, a an event for for work or a wedding, um, there's a pretty meticulous table plan. You do not walk in. I mean, if I went to someone's wedding and sat in the spot at the top table, I imagine I'd be knocked down pretty quickly. Uh, And it should seem obvious, but here's Jesus watching these Pharisees act with a a top spot mentality. That's that's what I I thought of it as. Um, They're they're deciding for themselves how important they are. And, And it may seem initially that the point of Jesus' second parable is to sort of give them a, a knock to their confidence. Um, but actually, he's, he's trying to get to a, a deep issue with their, their consciousness and how they view themselves and how they're therefore viewing themselves before God. Um, Jesus is saying it will be true of God's great feast that he will humble and he will make low and that he will choose where people are seated. Uh, and just like pride comes before a fall, uh, honor follows humility. In one of the commentaries I had for this, um, there was a link to 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 27, uh, which if I can find in good time, then I shall, uh, I shall read briefly. Um, but this is where Paul says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You know, this great banquet is going to be counter to our culture. Uh, the Pharisees' lack of humility is a big problem for getting to this feast in the first place. Um, but for us, that should be our starting point. You know, a real sign of a, a Christian life and a Christian walk will be humility. So we're going to come now sort of properly to this passage um, with this, this link. So, so you have this, this man in the, in the, in the crowd um, in, in the banquet. And he says, foolishly, I might add, because he's, he's about to be criticized for it, uh, 
When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, why is he saying that? Well, he's saying it because this man already believes fully and finally that he has a seat there. He lacks humility. So finally, we come to this final point of what a earthly life would look like, where it's a lack of desire for God. Um, And we should say here, there is no fear, there is no risk to the Christian that our salvation comes fully through Christ and through his death on the cross. But we do also know that Jesus is choosing in this final parable to jump ahead. We see in verse 17, this is a banquet that's being called when everything is now ready. This isn't existing in a period between him and us. This is very much uh, the end times. And what do we then see in verse 18, which I've written up there for you as well? Everyone, all alike, begin to make excuses. We are all alike, and the excuses are much the same um, that these people give in in Jesus' examples. They're the same that we would give. Um, So, let's just, (coughs) apologies, look at verse 18 to 20 with me. Um, So, they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I have just got married, so I can't come. Let's try and um, make those a bit more broad so that we can understand them. I'd say that these broadly fit into three categories, don't they? Work, the, the man with the field. Possessions, the man with his five yoke of oxen that he wants to go and try. And love, the man who's got married. That's uh, often a good reason to stay on, stay focused. Um, anyway, none of these distractions um, from the feast are sins in themselves. Um, and, I, and I think that's important to say here. God, want, he, God made us to be relational. See that in Genesis, don't we? So he makes um, men and women for each other. He wants us to be relational. He wants us to and reach out into our communities and to other people. He also wants faithful stewards of uh, the gifts we're given, and that includes uh, money and um, position and, and property, all of those things. And uh, he also promises to provide everything we need. You know, we shouldn't have any concern that Jesus won't provide for us, and that God won't provide for us through his son. So the deviation must be when these things become independent of and bigger than God. And that is most definitely what Jesus is getting at with this final parable. Um, You see, it's the temperature of the people's hearts, isn't it? The the first man says, and go back to 18 with me, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Okay, he must. That's, That's okay. Sometimes there are big things that keep us away from God. Sometimes you must. And then the next man I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Well, that seems a bit more like an I want, i.e. I want something else, and I don't want God. Okay. Yeah, sometimes we may lose our heads a bit. There's a big thing in our life, and it just seems that's the first thing we should look at. And then this last man. I've just got married, so I can't come. And then we have our I will not. You see, it's the temperature of our hearts, it's the problem, isn't it? This is going to be picked up in the next section of um, Luke 14, the, the next um, section of this that we'll be studying. 
you know, Jesus is saying the cost of being a disciple is to give up our very lives. And clearly, these people giving their excuses, well, they're, they're not willing to give up anything. Here's the warning. <clears throat> when our hearts are cold and our excuses are many, what happens with the owner of the house in verse 21? He's angry. God will not be scorned. I want to um, <clears throat> take a moment just to think about why there's this repeat um, in verse 14 and verse 21, this uh, group <coughs> invited to the banquet. Um, the first is Jesus' recommendation that they should be there. And the second is that in his parable he says that's, that's who will actually taste this feast. And it's this group of um, four people. The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Um, we want to be careful how we talk about that group. Um, it probably would have been a slightly different experience for them in um, Israel, um, certainly in terms of their service in the temple. But um, even putting that aside, it's, it's relevant, isn't it? What, do these, uh, these people might, what might these people understand that we might forget? Well, first of all, that in regards to a banquet, they can't repay the banquet. If you're poor and a, and a prominent Pharisee were to invite you, you can't invite him back. You have no house to take him to. You may not be able to serve in the first place. But hang on, when we're looking then at the end times, what might they then also understand about God? Well, there's also a love that cannot be repaid. That's a debt that they cannot repay. And they have so few of the same issues that we have standing in our way. You know, they're not expecting to be there. And so their amazement at the love being shown them is all the greater. You know, they're at this banquet, and they shouldn't be. They, they weren't invited, but they're the ones filling the house. And then in verse 23, <clears throat> here we are, the, uh, the pagans. He says, Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes <coughs> and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. You know, something to be said for the trappings of work and possessions and love. Um, they're fairly comfortable people's concerns. And I think we can mention that maybe, especially with uh, what's happening in Ukraine at the moment. Um, these are not things necessarily that should be barriers to our love of God, to signing up to being ready for him to call us. Um, and yet they are, you know. So we want, we want to be encouraged to stay on the path, don't we? What's the best way that we can undermine these traps of living an earthly life? a lack of authenticity, a lack of humility, a lack of desire. Well, we should try and look out for the excuses we might have. So for work, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'd love to help, but I've got too much on. I'm sorry. I'm full-time. I've got things to do. Well, are you too busy for God? What about possessions? I just need to get this. You don't understand in one more year, we'll have the house of our dreams. Once I'm there, all of this will just slot into place. I just need to get this before I do that. Do you? Do you trust that God will provide? And what about love? I think the, the big one for us is probably family, isn't it? Uh, especially when you're, you're married or you have children or, or maybe you're close to your family, your parents. Um, you just want everything for your, your family, don't you? One day I won't be here. I want the most for my, my children. Um, anything they want to pursue, I want them to be able to follow that dream. Well, am I putting my family first before, before God's family? 
<coughs> God isn't leaving us to figure out how to um, shortcut these programs, these, uh, these programmings that we have. Um, Jesus has already shown us what a life, a heavenly life, looks like on earth. Um, and it's the exact reverse of these, these three points we've just touched, hasn't it? What, what was Jesus? He was, he was authentic. He, he loved, he saved, and he healed. You know, he lived exactly as a savior should. He was humble. Uh, even to his death, he was humble. He knew he was the son of God and was willing to come to live a human life and to die. And where was his desire? You know, when he sat in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, he prayed, if it's your will... I will go. That was his desire. So let's prepare. Let's be ready. I've written here for you. Pack your bags. Um, let's be ready. You know, this final feast is a day that's coming. And um, if we can remember what an earthly life looks like, then we might be ready to live a heavenly life. Um, so I'll pray and let's finish. Heavenly Father, thank you for a chance to go through um, this passage. Father, I pray that um, we would live in a way that honors you, that we'd remember that all things come from you, and um, that it would be foolishness, um, Father, to stray from that path. And Father, I pray that it would be an encouragement as we go out in the week to um, love you more fully. Amen. Thank you.